Welcome to Where We Belong, a podcast exploring all that Cavan Heritage has to offer. Today, we visited a very busy Cavan County Museum as they prepared to reopen after COVID-19 lockdowns. Curator of the museum, Savina Donoghue, took some time out to show us around and give us a sneak peek behind the scenes. So, sit back, relax, and spend some quality time with Cavan and its people. Good afternoon and welcome to Cavan County Museum. We're delighted to have you. It's really nice. I hope you'll enjoy your visit and I hope you enjoy all you're going to see here with us today. There's actually lots happening here today because we're reopening the museum uh, next Tuesday, the 11th of May. And we're delighted because we've been closed since before Christmas and it's just, it's a great time. So you're coming on a day where there's lots happening, lots of cleaning, lots of getting ready to welcome people back. So it's great. Well, the museum is uh, located in Ballygym Stuff in the former St. Clair convent. Uh, the nuns came here in 1870s uh, to teach. They were asked to come to teach the children. And initially they were living down in the town in a house, but there were so many people becoming nuns, there so many women becoming nuns at that time, they needed a bigger place. So this was built, the convent was built. And uh, in 1992, there were only two nuns living here. And it wasn't practical, so they put it up for sale. And at that time, Cavan County Council were looking for a suitable building to have a museum. So they bought it in 1992, and it opened to the public in 1996. When the nuns were here, it, it was a school, and then it became a secondary school, and then it became what was known as a commercial college, and that was where girls could learn how to do shorthand and typing. And of course, in Ballygym stuff, we still have the Sinclair primary school and secondary school in different sites now and this, this has become the county museum. So would you like to come and see some of our exhibitions? Um, so the first exhibition that we're very proud of and it's been here since the museum opened in 1996 is our GAA exhibition. Um, many, a lot of our visitors love this exhibition. Of course it tells the story of the five All-Irelands that Calvin won uh, and we're very proud of that. We're not so proud of the fact we haven't won in Northern Ireland since 1952, but hopefully that will change. But just this exhibition here, uh, it's really, uh, I suppose, a walk down memory lane. And I suppose many of the exhibitions in the museum are very much around that. We have um, various exhibitions covering all aspects of Cavan's history and national history as well. And we do our best to make that as engaging and for people who visit, you know, that is not too much, but just enough. And the people, when they're going around, they're kind of learning before they even realise they're learning. So it's, it's really important to us to have visitors. But now I've brought you into the GAA gallery, so I better talk to you a little bit about that. Of course, our big claim to fame in Calvin, and I love telling people this, especially as a Calvin woman, uh, in 1947, the only time an All-Ireland final was ever played outside of Ireland was in the polo grounds in New York. And Calvin played Kerry out there. 35,000 people crowd New York's polo grounds. Fans playing and thousands of enthusiastic Irish, Irish Americans and Americans to greet the Calvin and Kerry teams as they walk onto the field. We've 
had many tremendous stories around that. Of course, we won. I should have said that. That was very important. We won. Um, we won by, I think, a goal. A few points, maybe. But it's a great talking point, really, that 1947, the whole going to America. And uh, one of the things that we've done recently here in the museum, we, we recorded people who were at home listening to that match. We had to be back for 8 o'clock because it was on the radio or the wireless set at 8 o'clock. Now we had our own wireless set which was a big deal at the time and all the neighbours gathered in and the window was open at the bottom and they all listened to it. When the long whistle went, they danced on the road and cheered and it was great excitement now. The cheers, one lad said you could hear them in America. You know, we did, and people just in, in their homes that day and their recollections of sitting around the radio and listening to the whole story of the match. And then um, they had so much air time and it was cut off before the end. And Michael O'Hare was doing the commentary and he begged them in America to give us more air time. And all the stories around that. And I remember that one of the men said, if you coughed in the kitchen or anywhere, you get the head taken you. So it was really, there's great, there's great stories around the GAA and of course we love telling them. The artefacts we would have in relation to the GAA in, in this exhibition, of course, are a lot of medals belong to very, very famous um, players and their families very kindly donated them to the museum. So we're very grateful to them and we're very grateful to all the people who donate to the museum. Medals is one thing. We have lovely uh, match programmes, which are very unique at the minute. Uh, old football boots whistles for refereeing and another thing we have and I think this lovely we've got cards long ago when there was football training you didn't send a text and say you know there's training be there they had to post out cards to the players so every player got a card saying be in football training next Sunday such a time and for such a venue and one of the cards is really nice it says be in football training next uh, Sunday and practice fisting the ball before you come. So that's the way they use so they're, they're all on display here. And of course, photographs. People love photographs. We have some fantastic photographs. So that's really the memorabilia that we would have in, in, in this exhibition. They are very, very tangible. They're very, they bring you back in time. Um, we would like to think that the museum, and we really work hard that the museum is accessible to all, um, all, you know, all age groups. And that's difficult in our planning for exhibitions. You have to be aware of that. You have to be aware of the height. You have panels because you have to think of tall people and small people. You have to think of people in wheelchairs, people with disabilities. So you have to take all that into your head when you're planning an exhibition. So yet we would very much um, be very aware of that. And it's, it's important because the exhibitions are, like this exhibition, the GAA Gallery, it's not for people who are into GAA, it's for everybody. It's for people who probably know very little about the GAA, but they might leave here thinking, yeah, now I, you know, I get a better sense and I understand more, or wasn't that an interesting point? And I often feel when people leave the museum, if they leave with just two or three interesting points, two or three experiences, they've got a lot. We're now on the uh, second floor of the museum, or the middle floor as we call it, and it's, a, it's actually a very interesting floor in the museum because there's so many um, parts of history covered here. It's where we have our National Museum collection 
and there are artefacts from the National Museum that are on loan to us um, relating to Cavan. And we only get these from the National Museum because we're a designated and accredited museum. So that's really a big thing for us. And of course, like everything else, you have to work really hard to maintain your designation and accreditation, which we do, and we're very proud we're up to date with that. And then you have here an exhibition that I just absolutely love, of course, because it's called Women of Influence. The exhibition is made up of influential women uh, from 1900 to 2000, all Irish women. And of course, we have a few cabin women there as well, and that's really, really important. But we're very proud of this exhibition because we picked people who normally wouldn't feature, women who normally wouldn't feature. And that was nice for different reasons. Uh, we have our own cabin, Derva Lacrotti, and of course, Agnes O'Farley. But then we have other people like artist Rita Duffy, Edith Somerville, Iris Cummins. So there are lots of, that are all unique women in different ways and in their own way made a huge, massive contribution to Ireland over the years. As part of the Women of Influence exhibition, a lot of the exhibitions here, as well as having panels, we like to have something tangible that people can see and relate to. So what we did in this exhibition, we recreated a sitting room of 19th and an office, and an office space. Because for many, very, very many women, World War I was the start of really of women starting to work. But then when that was over, kind of women went back into the home a bit. But then one of the researchers we worked with on this exhibition was um, Dr. Margaret McCorton, who has recently passed away. She was a brilliant historian. And she remember meeting her one day and she was telling me about the typewriter. And uh, she said to me, really for women, Savina, she says, it's all about the typewriter. And I said, what do you mean by that? Well, she says, the typewriter got women out of the home. They were able to use the typewriter, she said, and they got out, then they got wages, and then they became more independent. So the typewriter was a massive uh, change for women. As a woman myself, I suppose I'm very drawn um, to that story about the typewriter, because I remember when I went to work in Dublin first, and that was back in the 1970s, I didn't know how to type or that. I remember going on tonight classes in Dublin to learn how to type, and I was like this old typewriter, you know, and it was just, it was a time, you know, I think, I say many people listening to this will remember that, you know, learning how to type and the freedom and that. And now, of course, with computers, it's all so different. But at a time, this was really big. And it's not that long ago, because I don't think I'm that old, but it's, you know, it's just important. And I love that thing, you know, it's all about the typewriter. So we recreated an old office space and a sitting room space. Like, and then people can come and sit and get a sense of what it was like for women during this time from 1900 to 2000. And I think the two work very well together. I know there's a lot of things on display here, but they're not, they were just things we got, uh, you know, they're not um, artifacts so we can leave them and we love the idea as you go around the museum having places to sit down because people like to sit but we love allowing people to touch things normally in museums you're told don't touch now of course we don't let them touch anything that's really really you know historically valuable but we buy stuff or we get stuff made to represent or recreate and people talk, and people love that because that whole especially children hands-on learning is fantastic. But even this exhibition, we have so many things in the Women of Influence in the sitting room here, and it kind of brings you back in time. So I love that idea. So if you have a bit of fun in a place like this, I think it's a better experience for you. 
in recent years at the museum, we've we've won some awards, and we've you know it's it's a great it's I suppose it's great for us as a group working together as a team, and uh, you know we really do work as a team here in the museum, and they're fantastic people working here. We've a fantastic staff, and everybody is very passionate about the area they work in, and you know that's really important. The museum doesn't more work well on one person working. We have to be we're like all cogs in the one wheel. We have to all work together, and that's really, really important. So it's really much, very much here, a team effort. One of the newest members, and uh, though he's not too new now, is our tour guide and research assistant, Gary Martin. I started in December of 2017. Uh, probably the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> uh, luckily, I've always had a love for history. Um, actually, goes back when I was younger but I was very fortunate I had a fantastic history teacher in secondary school and he kind of made me realise that you could actually pursue history as you know not even a job but vocation and I was very fortunate to get a job here in Calvin County Museum and I absolutely love it actually yeah I actually tell people this story all the time that when the trenches opened in the museum here in 2014 I dragged my father because I didn't have a car at the time I actually dragged my father to come here to see it and we only went foot, like a couple of feet inside the trenches in front of the fire and said I want to work here yeah, always had a love for history, absolutely adore this place. Yeah. I think the thing I love for history is, is that idea that someone can find whatever they want in it. So, for example, when you're giving a tour or an education programme here to children, um, whether they be primary school, secondary school, or even you do adults, someone gets something different out of the experience or they remember something. My favourite thing is when you do it with primary school children, they then bring the parents here during the summer and then they'll tell the staff, oh, do you know such and such done this in the war? You don't used to eat this type of food in the war and explain it to you. So I think the thing I always loved about history is that you can always find your own topic within it. You can always have a love for the general topic of history, but you'll always find something within it that suits each other. And it goes back to the idea that here in Calvin County Museum, they very much promote the idea that it's a, a, an immersive experience. So you're actually part of learning about the history as opposed to us just telling you about it, you're actually part of it. So... Prior to COVID-19, we had a fantastic handling collection here, which would have been replica uniform, um, replica uh, gear from the First World War, for example. And the children could actually get to feel not only put on the stuff and dress up, which is a great experience for them because it's fun, because fun has to be as part of it as anything else. But the idea that you feel the weight of the clothes, you feel how itchy the clothes would have been. Um, the one thing they always have a laugh about is the size of the uniforms. And it's not like nowadays where you can get tailor-made to your size. And that's another thing. So you're explaining things all the time to them, but they're actually been immersed in the experience and yet again Calvin County Museum is fantastic because not only that but they also have the World War I trenches experience outside the replica of the trenches you have your GPO which people can physically walk through these things and get an idea of it so they're learning while having an experience if that makes sense Right now we're standing in Cabin County Museum's replica of World War One trench. Um, it's actually the biggest of its kind off mainland Europe. It actually followed the manual on how to build trenches. It actually followed the manual exactly, um, only for two things aren't historically accurate about. One, when you come here you'll notice the sandbags. Sandbags aren't actually filled with sand, they're filled with concrete. The reason being is that we want the, the trench to be here for 
a good long time so the concrete is more durable than the sand and another thing we left out was the latrine which is the toilet so we thought we'd leave that to your imagination so right now what we're doing is we're actually standing in a support trench so we're not actually at the front lines yet we'll take a walk on through well when you go around here people always make the comment that you'll see in the trenches up you'll see all the items of clothing and um, sometimes people actually make a comment about uh, you'll see socks and that uh, socks are actually one of the most important things in a war on trench it was very important to keep your feet dry because it kept you from getting a thing called trench foot which basically meant that your feet were submerged in water for so long and the water was very filthy and sometimes it wasn't even water and your feet would literally start to rot so it's very important so what we've done is we've actually thrown items of clothing items of uniform around the place so when you're walking around you can even tell people well this is what the boot would have been like why it was like that this is why it was important to have a steel helmet obviously when they're fighting the war in trenches they didn't realize they would be fighting in the war that they would the type of war that they wear so what they didn't realize that you need to protect your head so much so originally they actually used to have a cap just a woolen cap wouldn't protect your head from a bullet so they realized quite quickly they had to adapt to the steel helmets so that's why we have all them put around the place what we're standing at right now is actually where they would have eaten um, tin food was probably one of the most important thing in the war trench kept food fresh uh, easily transportable carry multiple types of food and um, they actually say that uh, to know uh, if your food had gone off you puncture a hole in it and if it hissed for more than like seven seconds it was going off but often the food that just ate it anyway bully beef uh, beans stuff like that anything they could get so tin food was very important for that reason so what we've done here is we've just recreated what would have been their kitchen and um, we've got all the types of tins of food you would have had uh, We also have some of the mess tins, which would you, you would have eaten out of. Um, you also have your drinking bottle. Um, we also have photographs all around the trench as well. All the photographs are real photographs from the First World War. So, for example, the photograph that is here beside where you're eating is actually soldiers as they're about to eat their food in a war-worn trench. Um, when you bring younger children out here, the first thing they always ask you is, is the photograph real? And then they always ask, make a comment about the dirt of their hands. Uh, their hands are absolutely filthy. Yes, you should always wash your hands before you eat, it's a good thing to do. But back then, you didn't have that luxury in a trench, okay? You didn't have soap and bathrooms like that. And often the water that was in here was actually contaminated from your toilet. So you wouldn't want to wash your hands in it. But the point of these photographs is you explain to them what it is, you show them the tins of food that you would have had, and then you actually show them a real physical representation of that. It also gives you an idea, yet again, of the uniform, the clothes they would have had, what they were eating, how they were eating it. And it also shows photographs of the trench. So it gives you an idea of how historically accurate the trench was. So Calvin County Museum is fantastic for this idea of an immersive experience. That's one of the big things about a trench is you experience it, you're walking through this trench, it's immersive, you're actually, you feel like you're there, you get an experience how they would have eaten, slept, lived, fought, etc. It's a physical experience because you're actually walking through it and it's also a visual experience because you're, you know, you're seeing what you're seeing. But one of the things we want to do as well is to be centrist. You want to hear with your ears. You want to experience it that way. So if you're not getting a tour, what you can do is when you go around, there's loads of different stations. So it might be the gas station or your food station or your medical station. We actually have recordings from people that fought in the First World War and they're retelling their experiences relating to that particular topic in the trench. 36 divisions stuff very heavy. They hadn't experienced Sending them all out, you know, the casualties was very heavy. Or the 60th Division, all old-timers, you know, they were there from the very start of the war, like, you know. 
as well as what we've done is we've actually created surround sound. So throughout the trench, there's speakers everywhere that creates a surround sound of gunfire, bullets, shells, artillery strikes. Just to give you an idea of the sensory overload that soldiers would have had at the time and just gives you a better idea of what they would have went through. Two thousand and nineteen was a fantastic year for the museum. Um, we'd visited numbers over thirty thousand, which was just phenomenal for us in a rural area county museum. And uh, twenty twenty was shaping up to be the very exact same. Unfortunately, it didn't work out like that for us. But we had planned to do an exhibition on the War of Independence, and. Uh, we worked hard, and like every exhibition when you're doing, you, you want to include as much as you can and as little as you can. You want to make it as engaging as possible. You want to ensure that it's interesting to people who probably know very little about history or nothing at all. And you have to always think for children. And then you, at the same time, you have to have it interesting enough to engage historians as well. So there's a very wide remit in putting an exhibition together. but. Little text, snippets of text work well. Photographs are really, really, really good in an exhibition. And for the War of Independence and timelines, people love timelines. Uh, they make it very easy to, you know, get into a different period of time so you can kind of much better engage. It's all about engaging. But for the War of Independence, we did this, and I think what you see here today is beautiful. And we include a lot of photographs as you go around the, the museum, but the, the one photograph I really love, I know it's very big, but it's the introduction to the War of Independence uh, exhibition. And it shows four men standing in a line uh, and their ex facial expressions, the way they're dressed, um, the men in the background, everything about this photograph. You just could stand in it. You could stand looking at it maybe for a long time, and come back and look at it again and you'd see something different. I think there's a great power in photographs and it really puts you in the place with the people and you'd wonder like what was going on in their heads and you know we're at one stage looking at it, they're at that stage going back and what they were fighting for or what they were hoping for for Ireland and there's so much, even the clothes, the waistcoats, the jackets, the way they're buttoned, everything about it. I think, I love photographs and I and I know, and I'm always very aware of visitors' feedback. Sometimes I go around if visitors are here and I pretend I don't know anything, that I'm just another visitor. And you're listening to comments. It's a great way to learn. And you hear, and someone might say something. Because that's how I got the idea about people love to sit down. And one woman said, oh, God, geez, it's great to be able to sit down. I'm just getting tired. And then I thought, yeah, I'll put chairs on every floor. And it does work, because people get tired. And then if they're getting tired, nowhere to sit, then they go. But I want them to stay. So it's, you know, it's little, look, it's working in a museum, and a museum is a whole learning experience. And I think in Cavan, we're open to that learning all the time, to be innovative, use new ways, engage with different audiences. And the most important for me is that people feel welcome when they're here. And one thing that's really unique for us in this War of Independence exhibition is that all of the artefacts, and we have a large collection of artefacts in this exhibition, we already had them in the museum. It's the first time we were able to really use our archive collection in an exhibition. Because often people would give us things and I'd say, that's fantastic, but I just can't use it at the minute, they'll go to our archive. And you know they're a little disappointed, but now for this exhibition, we were able to take out so much of our archival collection 
and include it in this exhibition. And I think that that's really one of the very nice positive parts of the War of Independence exhibition. Calvin County Museum is, uh, of course, the County Museum for Calvin. And the people of Calvin are very proud of the museum and very proud of what we do here because we really care for the past. I'm not saying we shouldn't look to the future. Of course we should, and I know we should live in the present. But I think there has to be an element in life of respecting the past and what people achieved. And as a rural museum, we're very lucky. We have a fantastic building, but we've lots of space, although I'm always looking for more space. But you can explore and give an idea of different types of history going back over, you know, back in the past. So we're not a museum just for one Pacific. We have so many different galleries that give so many different, you know, concepts and well, so many experiences of history. And because our exhibition galleries are small because of the nature of the building, you never know what's around the next corner. And I think people like that too. Like it's not a wide open space, it's an old building. So in that, I often think it was a museum before it was a museum. You know, and there was a whole life that took place here. You know, and there was a whole group of different people that lived here. So it's, it's, full of, it's full of history, it's full of life, it's full of experiences for people that lived in the past, and hopefully people coming are also having experiences when they're here. This has been a Cavan Heritage Podcast. Thank you to everyone who gave their time to bring this piece to life. If you've enjoyed this episode of Where We Belong, please make sure to like and share. You can subscribe to this podcast to keep up to date with all new episodes. Until next time, slow and go forward.